Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Well, let's bow and just ask God to teach us and guide us. Heavenly Father, once again, we're going to focus our attention on a great Word of God. A word that without the power of God and the person of the Spirit would mean nothing more to us than it does to any unbeliever in this world. But Father, if you help us, we will discover in this word spiritual truth. Truth that can strengthen us, can direct us, can encourage us and can make us more usable even, moldable in the hands of the Spirit. We ask you to do that for us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, two weeks ago, those of you whose memories can go back that far, two weeks ago we started a short little series of messages titled Words to Live By that are, that's going to take us to the end of this calendar year. Here once again is our series key scripture. This underlies all the messages in the series. It's Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Notice that it's a red letter scripture. These are words Jesus spoke. And one day, Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's sustenance in the Word of God. There's what we need to live by in every Word of God. Two weeks ago, we focused our attention upon the word logos. Now, that's the Greek word for the English word, word. It's used hundreds of times in the New Testament. Every time somebody says the word, Words came, but there was that Greek word that is the one that the biblical writers chose when they meant just ordinary speech or when they meant something really, really profound. Like when John the Apostle took up his pen and began his gospel writing at the end of his life and in the first verse he said, in the beginning was the Logos. The word, the core value, the dynamic, the answer to everything in the beginning. It was with God. And then he goes on to say, and it's not an it, friends. It's a person, the son of God, who came to earth and took upon human flesh. And we beheld the glory of God right in our midst. Glory tuned down a bit lest our eyes couldn't stand it, but we beheld what he brought to us. Logos, the Son of God. Last week, we were challenged by the meaning and the significance of the word faith. Faith. 
How many of you this week found yourselves faithing? See, we explained last week in the Greek language, there's a noun for faith, that's the thing. There's also a verb for faith, that's the doing of the thing. We in English don't have a verb for faith. So we say, I'm trusting, I'm believing, I'm relying. But it might help to just say, you know, today, I was busy faithing. I was busy faithing, putting all of what I know about Jesus to work in my life. Here's now today's word to live by. It's the word hope. Hope. We even had it in a couple of songs we sang this morning. It's hard to ever talk about anything Christian that the word hope doesn't find its way in. Now, though every human being on earth is familiar with the word hope, not every human being is familiar with the experience of hope. Long years ago, the Apostle Paul said that we Christians are not like those who have no hope. He says, you're not like them. One time you were. You were without hope in this world. But, but he said, even in the darkest moments of life, even when sorrows come upon us, even when death has invaded our family, we are not, and our sorrow is not, like the sorrows of those who have no hope. Paul explained that in his letter to the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But the truth of it is, without Christ, the tragedies of life, the great discouragements of life, can suck hope right out of people. Paul would say, not so for those in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Not so for those who possess Christian hope. Christian hope is not a, I hope so. I hope so. How's it going for you? As things get, well, you know, I'm hoping it will. Christian hope, as we're going to see this morning, is so much more substantial. It's not an iffy thing. It's a promised thing. That's what we're focusing on this morning, Christian hope. And so the first thing I want to share with you is we're just calling it the essence. What's at the core of Christian hope? So we say the essence of Christian hope defined. This is not the kind of hope that, uh, that unbelievers are hoping for. This is what Christians possess. And so we define it this way. The essence of our Christian hope is an onward gaze that lifts one above all negative circumstances. An onward gaze that lifts one above all negative circumstances. It's a confident anticipation of things promised. Particularly, of course, the things that God has promised us. The experience with hope in God has been, has been discovered by those who know God 
since long centuries past. King David in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 42, verse 5, in a troublesome time, David found himself getting discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged? When you look in the mirror, when you're really discouraged, when you're really, gee, pardon this expression, bummed out, that probably dates me. And you look in the mirror, what do you see? What does your face look like? I don't know if David was looking in a mirror to sense the, the condition of his soul, his spirit, his psyche, his real inner nature. But here's what he says. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? You're about ready to give up. You're in despair. You're downcast. You aren't looking up. You aren't happy. There's no glow on your face. You're just miserable. He says, how did you get like that, my soul? He became aware that his emotions were just really not at all positive. He says, here's what you need to do. Put your hope in God. You must be putting your hope in something that's letting you down. And so you're downcast. It's not working out the way you planned. Not working out the way you had hoped. He says the problem is you got your hope in stuff that will let you down. That is unreliable. That is unpredictable. And it's only natural when your hope is dashed that your soul's downcast. And David says the problem is not that you've got bad stuff going on in your life. The problem is you put your hope in that stuff. He says, put your hope in God. What you know about God. See, the truth is, troubles, tragedies even, eventually come to us all. And our soul, our psyche, our inner self can be overwhelmed by them. And David recognized that hope in God, we said here, a confident anticipation of things promised. God is the promiser. David recognized that hope in God can overcome that sickness of soul. Doesn't necessarily change the circumstances but it can overcome the sickness of our soul that we might allow circumstances to generate in us. So why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. And then, and the writer of Hebrews says, talking about hope, our hope in God, he says that is a hope that we have as an anchor to our soul. That's a stabilizing force. Keeps us from drifting away. Keeps us from being pulled down. You see, hope keeps us focused on the things that are promised. And this morning I'd like us to think about a few of those things. What are those promised things? The things that keep hope alive in our hearts. What are the things that hold us together when life would threaten to tear us apart? Well, I'd like to share three of them with you just quickly this morning. 
the substance of our Christian hope identified. And these might be three things that you wouldn't necessarily put on your list. If I asked you this morning, what are the greatest of the Christian hopes? Make a list of all the promise, all the things that Christians find hope in that sustains them and encourages them. Maybe some of these this morning you would have never thought about. But here's the first one. I'm sure we'd have it on the list. The hope of heaven and eternal life. This life is not where our hope is. This life is not where our hope is fulfilled. The hope of heaven and eternal life. That's a promise that we have from God. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. John says, we shall be like him. That's Jesus. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. That's when we get there. Everyone who has this hope in him, the hope of someday seeing Christ and being like Christ, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. And today I just kind of define purify as meaning he throws all emotional garbage out. And you allow your hope of someday being like Christ, being in his presence, to just trump all of the things that would tend to make your hope disappear. Because that hope is a promise. That hope that someday we will see Christ and we will be like him, for we shall see him as he really is in all of his glory. Oh, that, that hope is solid as a rock. It serves like an anchor to our soul. So the hope of heaven and eternal life. There's a song that we sing, and, and this is how one couple, a couple of lines of it goes. It says, there is a hope that stands the test of time, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave to see the matchless beauty of a day divine when I behold his face. That's the hope. That's one of the hopes that just time cannot erase. It's a promise from God. Holds us through anything. Then secondly, the hope of forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 1, 7 says, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We're going to celebrate the Lord's death for us this morning in communion. He died for us to pay for our sins. We are sinful people. We are fallen people. We are not perfect people. We are sinners, and then because of that, we commit sins throughout our life, and yet we can be forgiven of them. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. In our own flesh, like the Apostle Paul said, nothing good dwells. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who lived perfectly, the Heavenly Father will allow us to receive forgiveness because of Jesus. And when we enter into heaven itself, God the Father will see you and me as perfectly sinless ones. Sins forgiven. That's a promise of God. Put your hope in that. 
even when you mess up, put your hope in the fact that Jesus died for that mess up of yours. And the Father forgives you for even that. Just confess it. Acknowledge it for what it is. And then here's one that I imagine you'd never phrase, but there's coming. We possess the hope of forgetfulness. How many of you kind of think forgetfulness is a curse? Don't even know. I laid my keys down before church this morning. And then before church, I'm talking to Lyndon saying, where, where are my keys? I can't even get into the office. Where are they? Where, let's see, where are all the places I went? Now, I know none of you would ever have a moment like that. Fortunately, this church isn't that big, and I didn't go in those many places, but there they were out on the counter just laying there where I'm glad nobody picked them up. Usually forgetfulness is something we'd like to forget about. What's the hope of forgetfulness? That someday forgetfulness is going to be a wonderful thing. Look what it says here, Revelation 21.4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. This is all the people who made it to heaven. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death. For them, death has accomplished its purpose. It has opened a doorway into heaven from this life. And for a believer, that's all that death is. It's it's having the opportunity to walk from this life into the presence of God. And you won't need any more. We'll never have to die again. We'll never go through that experience again. God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither will there be any more pain. None of the stuff in this life that is so troublesome exists in heaven. And then he says, now listen to this. We'd say, well, of course not, it's heaven. There wouldn't be any pain in heaven, any sorrow in heaven, any, any sickness in heaven. It's heaven. But here's a phrase that I want you to ponder just a bit. Why won't there be any of those things in heaven, including sorrow of heart even? It's because the former things are passed away. The former things are passed away. One of life's greatest burdens is the regret, even the guilt that we feel over things we have done. I'm sure you've noticed, God's forgiveness does not erase our memory. You can be completely forgiven and know that you're completely forgiven and yet still deeply regret something you've done. And all through this world, all through the remainder of our life, even as believers, we can grieve over the past. That's a human condition, and we're still in that human condition. Forgiven, but still filled with regret, filled with the sorrow of how we treated people, 
filled with the sorrow of opportunities that we, that we just let slip by. Chance to, to bless somebody and we didn't. Times when our human flesh just rose up and, and we did something, said something that, that hurt somebody. And even when they forgive us for it, we, we still, we might carry a wound around with us for the rest of our lives. That's because we're still in this human world. We're, we're still us. But when we get to heaven, just think of what's all wrapped up in that phrase, the former things, everything in the past has passed away. It's all brand new. We're brand new. We don't carry any earthly sorrow into heaven with us. That's why I, myself, people ask these questions. They're all just uh, imaginations, really, because the Bible doesn't actually tell us, except with phrases like this that hint at realities. I don't believe anybody who has left this world and gone into heaven has a clue of what's going on in this world anymore. Former things have passed away. Your history has passed away. Your, your life, your good, your bad, your whatever has passed away. And we're not going to be sitting in heaven waiting for the return of the Lord if we die before he returns. We're not going to be sitting in heaven just agonizing over the mess-ups that are still going on on earth. That wouldn't be heaven, would it? And that wouldn't be former things having passed away. That would be us still watching the former things as though they're present things. We will forget. We will have ourselves uh, removed from this human realm where we sorrow, where we grieve, where we regret, where we remember, where we wish that. See, put your hope in that someday. If, the, if there's anything that's really just is one of those things in your life, it's going to create you pain until you die. Because you know it will. You know it will. It does right now. Part of our Christian hope is there's coming a day we have the hope, not only of our own forgiveness for those things, but we have the hope of forgetfulness of those things when God wipes it all away. And that's a tremendous thing to be stabilized by. Even while you might be suffering with some degree of pain and regret and sorrow and that's of this world. What a hope to have in our heart to say someday this pain's going to be gone. Someday this regret will be gone. And right now, this regret God can use to keep me from ever doing something like that again. And he will use it. But someday, it'll be gone altogether. And then here's just the last thing I want to share with you this morning. The source of Christian hope discovered. Where, where does this hope come from? How does it get generated in us? I just want to quickly read this verse. This is a verse that Linda puts at the foot of every email she sends out. You've probably gotten familiar with it. Romans 15, 13, it says this, a prayer. And may the God of hope, 
That's the kind of God we serve. He's a God of hope. He's not a God of uh, regretting how we've lived our lives. He's the God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. So you may become a hopeful person, filled with hope. And how does that happen in the midst of a, a lousy world? It says, by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can focus your hope, your heart, your mind so much on the things that God has promised for you that are coming one day that the things of this world lose their, uh, their ability to hurt quite so much. And that's why our final thought says this, at the heart of hope is this phrase, there's coming a day when. There's coming a day when. What I'm feeling now will no longer be here. When I'm, what I'm distressed over now as I see the shape of the world, the shape of the people I love, the, all of this that, that just, oh, while I'm in this world, I'm fighting a spiritual battle, but there's coming a day when all of this will be passed. And I'll be in the presence of the Savior. And the Holy Spirit right now, who belongs to that day and has come himself from that place, the Holy Spirit right now today can begin to strengthen and develop within us this hope. This hope of all that God has promised. This hope that there's coming a day when all these things that are burdensome to us. All these things that create sorrow and pain and difficulty will be gone by the grace of God and the goodness of God. Put your hope. Allow the Holy Spirit to just create in you the, a heart of hope that what God has promised is what you have your mind set upon. Our Heavenly Father, you are the God of hope. You understand the dynamic power of hope. You understand what it's like to have a, a person who cannot see everything spiritually, but can receive things that are spiritual truth, where we exercise faith, Faith in things we don't see yet. Faith in things that you have said. And, and because our faith is in them, our hopes are built upon them. And we say, I, I look forward. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me. My hope is in the Father himself who who has an eternity planned where, where none of the heartache and pain and difficulty and regret of this world will, will remain. Oh, Father, increase our hope according to your truth and let that hope take up a, a key role in our hearts. For we ask it in Jesus' name. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us.
If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.